It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we mentioned before the break, uh, elections are one thing, governing is another. And the way we do that in this country is uh, is one of the amazing parts of our uh, Republican form of government are the, all of these transitions, and they are so critical. Uh, very pleased to have joining us now uh, former Governor Mike Levitt, uh, who knows a thing or two about transition planning. Governor, thanks for joining us today. Boyd, my pleasure. So I want to start uh, at the national level and then bring it back here close to home. Uh, you were part of a, a group uh, that recognize the need for presidential campaigns of both political parties, the major parties, uh, to be ready to govern, uh, not knowing how the election is going to end. Uh, so give us just a little bit of that backstory. Tell us how that came about and then uh, how that's working today. There are very few days between an election, any presidential election year, and the inauguration generally in the neighborhood of 70 days. And when you consider the task of being able to stand up a new government in that period of time that will have the influence that it has around the world and the impact it will have on citizens, it just isn't enough time. Over many years, uh, transition planning, as it's uh, often referred to, uh, took place in the shadows. Uh, People were afraid to bring it up because they felt that um, it would look like they were re- measuring for drapes right. uh, in the Oval Office. And so people did it uh, quite inadequately, and on occasion there was political interplay on it. Sure. So the Congress wisely in 2010 passed the Presidential Transition Act, and uh, with that um, defined it as an obligation of candidates uh, to begin a process generally in the spring uh, or at least at the point in time when they – Uh, receive the nomination of their party to begin preparing to govern. Uh, That process has since that time been improved. Uh, And it's such an important thing. You described it in in an op-ed in the Deseret News over the weekend uh, as sort of this relay race. And uh, if the elected official, whether that's a president or a a local official, uh, if they're standing still waiting for that uh, baton to be passed to them, they're going to get run over. Uh, So they actually do need to get up and rolling quickly. Well, I had uh, I have had the experience of transitioning uh, into office, and I, while it was among the most exhilarating days of my life, uh, it was a lot, and I don't think we did it as well as we could have it if we had begun to think it through. Uh, in 2012, as Mitt Romney uh, ran for president, uh, he wisely initiated a transition process. I chaired that, and actually, we, we became the first. Uh, candidate to actually implement the 2010 Presidential Transition Act. 
I learned a lot from that experience and came to fully appreciate how important it is. Uh, it's a time of not just opportunity, but great vulnerability in mm -hmm. any kind of government when there's a transition of power. Uh, inadequately planned for, it can result in things uh, that uh, could be uh, quite detrimental to the uh, to the uh, health of the of the country. Uh, and and uh, so now I want to bring that down to the local level. I love that framing of it's a great opportunity, but it's also a time of great vulnerability. Uh, we know that Utah is positioned very uniquely right now to uh, to really not just lead the nation, but lead internationally coming out of this uh, pandemic. And as uh, a part of uh, what you wrote over the weekend at Deseret.com, uh, you actually called on those that are running for governor here in the state of Utah, both Spencer Cox and Chris Peterson, uh, to do the same, to follow a similar format and to not worry about what people are going to say about measuring drapes or moving in too soon, uh, but to be prepared for those opportunities and to overcome any of those vulnerabilities moving into 2021. This may be as complicated a time as any person has uh, who assumed the office of governor has ha have faced uh, a, a global pandemic, uh, the economy that's uh, rebounding, lots of questions uh, in the lives of every person, uh, state government having uh, having to deal with the loss of revenue that's come with that. Uh, this is going to be a complex time. We have a great governor, Gary Herbert, is a, a and he will remain governor until uh, just before noon on January the 4th of 2021. But at that moment in time, a new administration will take over. And I believe, just as it is with the president, it's an obligation of those who are the candidates for major offices to begin a transition process. Now, this isn't about going out and implementing it or talking. This is about quietly putting a team together of experienced people who can begin to Think through not what the person ought to be doing, but how do you implement the things that the candidate committed to do during the election. Elections are important times because it's the moment in which a person makes commitments on what they're going to do as, uh, as an executive office holder. And uh, the transition team is about putting a team on the field when the time comes, uh, when the time is right. It's about being able to implement the commitments that a candidate for governor or president made uh, once they become governor or president. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a uh, a vital thing. And again, a lot of us don't think through that, that sh very short period between election night and that first uh, Tuesday of November to uh, that moment in early January at noon when, uh, when you take over the reins. Uh, and, and you mentioned this idea of uh, you know, having this transition team that, again, it, it's quiet, it's out of the limelight, it's not uh, talking to the media. Uh, but I know you like to frame things, and I think all leaders should frame things in the context of either, you know, 500-day plan or a 200-day plan. Uh, and I love this idea of having both of our candidates uh, for governor from the major parties as, as things are shaping up this year, uh, because I actually think that will change the way they campaign if they're actually thinking more about governing than just campaigning and winning an election? Well, when people run for governor, they make very serious commitments, uh, commitments that have impact uh, on the lives of every person who lives here. And they need to have, uh, they need to approach that in a way that's serious. That is to say, these are not just large-scale promises. They're things we're going to deliver on. And it, things that you 
deliver on, you have plans for, and plans have to then be executed. So uh, putting a team together, keeping track of what the candidate has committed to do, being ready on day one to begin to implement, all of those things are important. In the, in the life cycle of new governors, the first legislative session, the first 200 days, there's a, a sense of not just opportunity, but expectation that that's when change will begin to occur. And that can't happen unless good planning has been done. Uh, this is just fabulous. And uh, Governor Levitt uh, really did write the book on this. <laughs> there actually is a uh, Readiness Project 2012, which is, uh, I have to admit, as a uh, as a geek and a junkie, I uh, devoured quite rapidly. Uh, but such great insight. And uh, Governor Levitt, we appreciate you joining us today. And we're going to join your call uh, for both of these candidates for both Chris Peterson and Spencer Cox to engage in that process in a serious way. Again, I think that leads to better elections. I think it leads to better governing when we get on the other side. Thank you, Boyd. I think that's a a very important thing and you're highlighting it uh, is appreciated. All right. Again, Governor Mike Levitt uh, joining us today. Again, always appreciate his insight. He is one of the extraordinary leaders Uh, who can see around corners, who can see ahead. And I think this is a critical issue that we rarely talk about, especially at the local level, at the state level. And so I'm I'm really grateful that he raised this. So we'll put this on our Facebook page today. Uh, You can also read it at Deseret.com. Candidates for governor should start transition planning now. I completely agree it will lead to better governing. I think it will change the conversations in debates uh, and how this campaign plays out. Uh, Again, it has to happen at the national level. We really need it to happen for the state of Utah. We have a critical couple of years coming forward, and whoever's leading this state uh, needs to be ready to roll in a significant way. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the big challenges of this pandemic, loneliness. We're going to attack it in a couple of different ways. Find out how next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.